0: The Tom Woods Show, episode 1936.
1: Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show.
0: Hey folks, if you've decided it's best not to have your kids educated by people who have declared war on you, then consider the self-taught Ron Paul curriculum. Instructors like me will give your kids an unfair advantage and an education you and I could only have dreamed of. But make sure you join through my link because only there do you get my $160 worth of free bonuses. My link is ronpaulhomeschool.com. Hey everybody, Tom Woods here. Well, I don't know what to tell you other than this is a highly unusual episode. I don't know what else to say. A highly, highly unusual episode. I am joined today by an old friend of the show, Andrew Heaton, who's been on a couple of times before. Andrew is a comedian. He is one of the most criminally underrated people in our circle. He is the host of the Political Orphanage podcast, and he is the author, most recently, of a book we're gonna be discussing today. I insist there be no hurt feelings here. We all have a sense of humor, right? This is not NPR. We all have a sense of humor here. The book is called Los Angeles is Hideous, poems about an ugly city. So that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Andrew, welcome back. It is a pleasure to be here, Tom. Thank you for having me. I'll be honest with you, man. I don't know how we're going to do this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've done almost 2,000 episodes of this show. <laughs> I do not know how to do an episode of this, but I just, on it, you're a good, interesting, and funny guy. This is a funny book. You're a libertarian. We're just, you know, all the... All the ingredients seem to be there. I'm just not sure how they all fit together. So we're going to find out.
1: I was, see, usually what happens when I do media hits on other shows is I call in and we we catch up for a little bit. And then we, you know, is your mic okay? And it's kind of five to 10 minutes of, of pussyfooting around technical issues. When I connected with you, you were already laughing. And I wasn't sure, right. I, I wasn't initially
0: sure what you were laughing about. But I was like, oh, it's probably that book I sent him, uh, which, which <laughs> delighted right. me. That's right. This book is absolutely hysterical. And the thing is, I really want to send one to Michael Bolden of the 10th Amendment Center. He loves Los Angeles dearly. <laughs> he cannot imagine ever. Li- I mean, if you're still there now, you're obviously never going. Right. So, that, yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah, absolutely. So, too.
1: I suspect that there's a lot of people in Los Angeles that are are there for entirely professional reasons, not because they like the city. That's what I was in when I went there. But also, I feel like there's a fair amount of people that uh, either have maybe like a niece thinking about going to Los Angeles or alternately a friend that is in Los Angeles that they'd like to irritate. And I would love to facilitate a poetry
0: career through irritating other people. Well, one thing I thought of, by the way, when we were talking on the phone was since i grew up in boston there was a huge basketball rivalry between mm-hmm. the celtics and the lakers in the 80s now i haven't followed it since i really after the 80s i stopped following professional sports because i just got into other things so i don't even know how intense that rivalry is if it even still exists but if it does every bostonian listening needs a copy of los <laughs> Angeles is hideous either for himself to bask in your superiority over Los Angeles, or to send to your poor Laker fan friend Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. There are a lot of reasons you can come up with, good excuses for why you might want to send this to me. Or if you have a friend who, in any part of California, you feel like really needs to be getting out of California. I mean, for heaven's sake, right? Maybe this will be the final nail in the coffin. Before we get into any of the hilarity inside these pages, what is it that what brought you to Los Angeles, and why did you hate it so much? by the way, let me say this: I rather like Los Angeles, but wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna suspend that for now because <laughs> I just want to have fun trashing it. Right. Well, you know, okay. Here,
1: here's what I'll what I'll give in favor of Los Angeles to put the nice cards on the table before we rip it to shreds. It is a creative hub. There's tons of creative people there. It's neat to be in a city where you can theoretically find anybody you need that can make anything in terms of film, podcasting, whatever. That's a real powerhouse that it has to its credit. The other thing I think is if you are a summer person and you like beaches, I understand part of the appeal. Now, from my lights... I feel like sunshine is bleaching everything and the people that like Los Angeles only see the sunshine. Since I'm not a summer person and I don't see the sunshine, I just see an entire city made out of bathroom tiling grout. So I don't get any of the benefits from that. But if, if your friend that lives there like loves beaches and he loves surfing, I kind of get it. But for those of us that are alpine people or lake people or forest people, which is what I am, there's nothing appealing about it. The appeal for me, when I, I, I've lived there twice. I lived there right out of college. I lived in in Scotland for a year and then I moved back to the States and I moved to Los Angeles to try and get into radio and lived in a tool shed behind my best friend's house for about six months that he fixed up for me. And I was working as a background extra. Didn't like it then. Left. Came back last year in January for the networking. Tom... In January of 2020, I moved to Los Angeles for the networking, assuming, uh, assuming that it would be a boon uh, for me comedically. And I, I drove out there, and the whole time I'm getting this knot in my stomach because I just, I know how, like like to me, Edinburgh is the most beautiful city in the world, and Los Angeles is just the antithesis of it in every single way, shape, and form. And so I was like, I know I'm not going to aesthetically like this place, but It's going to be worth it, and it's going to be worth the massive increase in rent that I will be paying in order to meet all of these people. I'll be brushing elbows with models and producers at parties and meeting folks at diners and things. And then, uh, as you and your listeners know, uh, 2020 got largely derailed by COVID. And so I was out there for five months, six months, and by the end of it, I was like, wait, why am I here? I'm, I'm living in this solitary confinement box with no porch that costs more than everywhere else. And so I ended up getting out of there. I don't know. Maybe if I'd moved there in 2018, I would have found stuff to like about it. But I, when you peel away the professional reasons to be there, I have zero desire to ever set foot in L.A. County again, ever, unless I'm visiting a friend on a deathbed or something.
0: Okay, but maybe some of this is because you like living more remotely. Is it cities in general or is it Los Angeles in particular? Because you also left New York City. Yeah, well, and there's no satisfying ampere Eaton, maybe. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so so New York and LA are very different.
1: And the reasons that I that I don't like LA are different than the reasons that I left New York. So I don't dislike New York. I think New York's a great city. I really enjoy visiting it. The problem for me with New York is twofold. One, it's the only city I've ever been to where your comfort level and just living expenses do not track with your income. So like in New York, you are either very wealthy or you're living in bunk beds with roommates. There's a very dichotomous way of living in New York. And that was starting to ground me down. There's lots and lots of sound. It's a very, um, like we, we all know that time and money are scant resources. Living in New York, I became aware of the fact that attention is also a limited resource and it's extremely limited in New York, which brought me to my, the other reason that I left New York, which is I think every city you go to in the world has one of two etiquette models. And that is either you show respect by engaging people or you show respect by giving people space. So, for example, Southern England is in the give people space category. Southern England is basically the planet Vulcan with wool hats. It's very distant and all these things. New York is the same way. There's just so many people that it's considered rude to interact with folks with uh, unbidden. And me, being a friendly semi-cowboy guy from Oklahoma, I found that I was constantly irritating people. And they were making all these, I'd say, you know, good morning. I don't want to convert to Mormonism. Not trying to convert you to Mormonism. Just wanted to say good morning. I like your hat. So, New York, I like, I like visiting it, but it's just a little too much for me. And so I I took off from there. Whereas Los Angeles, it's not that it's a city. I'm I'm in a city right now. It's that it's a massive, massive, sprawling, suburban, two stories, high maximum, most of the time, traffic congested, ugly city. It's just the, the sheer expansiveness of it. The lack of coagulating into any definitive middle, any center that you could walk around in. So to me, it's just—it's not so much a city as a billion strip malls
0: and parking lots with, ironically, not enough parking. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's about as good a case as I could ask you to make. So you told me, but we mentioned this the last time you're on the show. Then we talked on the phone about it, mm-hmm. and then I looked at it, and I—hold I, on a minute. Wait, wait. wait. You wrote. 33 <laughs> poems about Los Angeles? I could understand in a moment of frustration saying, having a choice word or two, or, uh-huh. or even indeed writing a haiku even, uh-huh. or, or, or a poem. But 33 of them, is there a possibility that maybe maybe there's something the matter here, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Tom, now, now that you think about it, it's probably more evidence of
1: a pathological problem uh, than it is of, of anything else. Yeah, I too was surprised by the, the sheer amount of both hilarity and content that I was able to squeeze out of making fun of Los Angeles. I had not anticipated having an entire book worth, but uh, when the muse appears to you, whether she's you know beautiful and full of wit and sparkling stuff, or she comes to you as this horrible, two-headed, warty gorgon, you work. And uh, that's what came to me, the two-headed warty gorgon that is Los Angeles. And uh, I I found myself so inspired and so just constantly, constantly mortified by the sheer beige terror
0: of it that I really had to just get it out. And get it out you did. Well, how about we have a little poetry reading? I would love that. Yes, yes. Here on the show. This will be a first, believe it or not. If you can believe that, this is the first. (laughs) This is the first. Now, let me say something here now. The title of one of, I've lately I've been not very faithful about my normal policy of bleeping out bad words. Mm-hmm. And I bleep out the bad words just so that parents driving around can right. feel comfortable yeah. listening to the Tom Woods show. Okay, but a few times I've had people of some degree of fame on, and they'll say a bad word, and I just feel silly bleeping them. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel childish doing that. So I've left a few in, and I've even got a handful of complaints, like, hey, what's happened to your policy? So what we'll do is I'm just going to say, in a minute, Andrew's going to tell you the name of this particular part. – now, it's not the worst word in the world, but probably you don't want if, – if your five-year-old kept saying it, it would probably annoy you after a while. Right. And he might say it at inappropriate moments. There is a time and place after all.
1: Yeah. So – And I totally get that, by the way, because like I, I find that on the Political Orphanage, the, the podcast that I host, that I a lot of the people that listen to it are commuting either to or from work. A lot of the time they have kids in it. So I try and do the same thing, Tom. And for anybody that is offended – I do apologize, but you have to understand it is impossible to describe Los Angeles without using choice words. You just couldn't do it. Imagine trying to understand Scottish culture without swearing or alcohol. That's the same thing, me describing Los Angeles. I have to use some choice words. But if you do have kids in the car and they've never been told about Los Angeles, you don't feel they're ready to really wrap their head around the concept of Los Angeles, then be aware we're going to dive into it.
0: All right. Well, Now I want to tell people, turn the volume of your thing down, your your radio, whatever, down for about five or 10 seconds. Okay, so what's this poem called, Andrew Heaton? So, Tom, I have two poems in particular that I think
1: your audience will like because most of the book is just reveling in the hellscape, the the floodlit wasteland that is Los Angeles. But there are a couple of political poems. And I think that your audience in particular would very much like them. So the poem I'm about to read is entitled... The Patron Saint of Asshats. All right, go ahead. Do your worst. Okay. The Patron Saint of Asshats by Andrew Heaton. Dear Moron, with a shirt of Che Guevara, so youthful, so rebellious, so iconic, know ye of the gays he sent to labor camps for his dearest want to obtain the atom bomb with which to whelm New York? It would have pissed off Wall Street, I guess, but also killed a lot of toddlers. No matter... It's not a manifesto, just a t-shirt with something trendy upon it printed, so you can get credit for being edgy with all the people who agree with you and then go back to doing nothing. It says, I am a rebel against corporations like the one I bought this t-shirt from. It says, I care more about romantic haircuts and proto-memes than understanding problems or volunteering or researching the subject of this shallow apparel. I don't want to hear another damned word about how I'm greedy for preferring charity, which I give, over taxes, which I pay, from people who do neither, yet always have money
0: for improv class. Oh, gosh, that's so good. I love that so much. I love that so much. Okay. Now, I'm going to read one now, okay? This is... uh one of my first poetry readings. Of course, the idea of a poetry reading is that you read your own poem. Well, that's never going to happen. So the next best thing is to read one of Andrew Heaton's poems. Mm -hmm. And this one is called Sprawl by Edict. And here you can even hear a little bit of libertarian social criticism or government criticism coming through implicitly in the text. So, All right, so here we go. Sprawl by Edict by Andrew Heaton. Los Angeles, Cursed, oozes across the map, like maple syrup on a sidewalk or cellulite in the beer belly of a cyclops. Not a single polis, but several, tumored into each other with no center or reprieve. How so? Back in the 40s, the city fathers cobbled laws banning multifamily dwellings to keep out the blacks. The logic was, black people like apartment buildings. And then you have a question mark in parentheses after that. (laughs) So let's just not have any. Instead, let us forge neighborhood covenants where homeowners may veto undesirables from moving in. Today, there are black people, and yet the law persists. You cannot build up, you can only build out. A swarm of strip malls connected by asphalt, traffic congestion, and zip codes. O Los Angeles, thou art governed by the ghosts of bigots past who caged the sky with zoning ordinances. Their Echo Summons Sprawl. Ah, oh, I love it. I love, well it. Ran, I love it, I love well it. Ran. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so now I want to just actually scroll up because I have the, uh, I'm going to have the hardcover, mm-hmm. the print version rather, but right now I'm looking at the electronic version. I want to read some of the titles here, mm-hmm. okay? Because I think that would be, so, okay, Beaches Are Overrated, I expect that from, from Andrew Heaton, right. but f- yeah. Fire Season... Actually puts me in mind of a a comedy bit I saw a stand-up comedian do probably 20-plus years ago. He explained to us, now listen, I'm from California. You people are in New York. I need you to understand, fire is a season in California. (laughs) And then he he paused and said, it's a season. (laughs) Right, exactly. A hundred percent. That's like in... I
1: don't know, like in Oklahoma at the beginning of spring, the peach blossoms and the red bloods bloom. And in Los Angeles, they explode. Trees just explode. They catch fire. And you can drive around Los Angeles and see these clouds of smoke hanging from the mountains as if they are the screams of dying trees or the bowels of dying sky gods pasted across the horizon. All hideous.
0: Well, agreed, obviously. I, th- I think most people understand that is. Certainly an undesirable aspect of of Los Angeles. But then we've got, um, I guess this is referring, of course, to the Hollywood sign. Congratulations for putting letters on a hill. I Uh like that one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then, (laughs) but then under that one, it's an ugly blankety blank desert. Uh We get that. We have, because then some people say, well, I'm there for the weather. And so you have only cowards fear winter. Right. feel very strongly about that. Yep. And then later in the book, you have more about cowards in winter. Yeah, I, I didn't get it all
1: out of my system. I wrote that poem, and it was like, you know what? I have more to say about the cowardice of avoiding winter. You need that. You need to have You need to have the seasons to remind you you're mortal. I, I feel strongly about that. And so
0: have not one but two poems to that effect. All right. And then there's one that you kind of told me about when we were talking. You said that you wrote the poems, and then you went back and realized, I think the way you put it to me was that you hadn't, written anything about the los angeles so-called river right yes that. <laughs> and so so you have the los angeles quote-unquote river <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: would you would you mind if i if i read that one
0: please uh, do so,
1: so this is i think since since the book is occasionally political but we've already blazed through that most of it is just me making fun of how horrible los angeles is aesthetically so this poem is the los angeles quote-unquote river behold the mighty los angeles river A lengthy concrete drainage ditch, wide as a shoebox, pretty as a penal shower, dribbling pollution into the sea. If a river but trickles through a mortared gutter, is it a river at all? Or just a leak from some distant, dehydrated mountain with an engorged prostate and bad aim? Twice a year, the rain gets lost, or drunk, and shambles through LA, sloshing life back into this trough. But the rest of the time, it's merely the seepage of urban incontinence. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know the, the the sad thing,
1: Tom. I, I was I was quite the I was quite the critic of President Trump. But I think if this had come out like a year or two ago, I might be poet laureate right now. Like I think I, yeah. could, have, I could have actually <laughs> right. I could kind of see him using this to troll the entire literary establishment and making me poet laureate. It would have been quite the coup. I wish this had happened a couple of years back.
0: Yeah, no, I I hear you. I hear you. I'm I'm sure it would have been a delight to accept that honor from anybody. So. Well, actually, so can I, can I pitch a question at you, Tom? Do you, you
1: are such an affable, positively inclined person. I wonder, do you have any cities that you have just bristled at? Or is it just sort of neutral to good
0: in in the Tom Woods view? Oh, gee. Now let's see how many, how many listeners I can pointlessly alienate here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of places. The thing is that when I, make the deliberate effort to visit a particular city. It's because I've I've looked into it in advance, and, and normally I'm not that surprised by the time I mm-hmm. get there. I will say there were parts of Philadelphia I didn't care for, mm-hmm. but that, I'm sure that would be true of any city. Right. Yeah. But there were parts of it that I loved. That's true. Mm-hmm. I guess I've been to Cleveland, and I feel like I think I saw the three things I needed to see in Cleveland, and I don't think I need to go back. Okay.
1: Nice. So, I, I I like this. This is this is a worldview that is not navigated by bitterness. This is this is wonderful. Uh you probably won't become poet laureate.
0: Like no, I No, I won't. I I because I, I'm not full of because the thing is I wouldn't describe you as being full of bile. So I won't say I won't say the word bile, but I don't feel strongly enough about mm-hmm. how a particular place has let me down to the point where I would I would devote anything to it. however, I will say this: there are states I don't like. Oh, really? Particular, yeah. Like uh, sorry, I'm going to alienate a bunch of people, but if I never set foot in Kansas ever again, it would be too soon for me.
1: <laughs> really? Okay, that's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to pick uh, some benighted progressive enclave and go after that.
0: Uh, what, no. What, what? What about? Is it just too flat and too too boring? Okay. Well, okay. Well, okay. well f- first of all, the thing about blue state cities there are a lot of negatives about them. You know, there are a lot of you know, high taxes, mm-hmm. but very hard to run a business. I mean, you, know, you, can, you know, all these sorts of things, zoning, whatever. You know, there are a lot <laughs> yeah, of problems. Right. Yeah. But they are the ones who nevertheless, I think, keep alive a lot of the arts. Even though, yeah, I know right. some of the art museums are a little nuts and whatever, but True. you have huge museums of fine arts there yeah. with art from any genre and any period of time you might be interested in. And you have Shakespeare everywhere you look. Mm -hmm. In New York and Chicago, I can go to drunk Shakespeare, which indeed I have done (laughs) once in each city. Nice. Uh, So there there, there are cultural activities that, yes, some of them I don't like, but a lot of them I do. And partly that's just when you have a concentration of people, there are gonna be some of them that are bound to be doing something you'll find interesting. So it's, to some degree, it's population density. Right, okay. But I lived in Topeka, Kansas for six years. Okay. And that was a soul-crushing experience. All right, Absolutely soul-crushing. For example, with the exception of Row House, which is one of my favorite restaurants anywhere in the world, actually. It's it's an amazing restaurant where they're only open Wednesday through Saturday for dinner. The menu is different every single week. And it's just whatever food is seasonal, the the chef will make something out of it. And there's a tasting menu that's unbelievable. That's great. But the rest of it is chain restaurants as Mm. far as the eye can see. And if some poor soul tries to open a pizza place that serves decent pizza, you know, where the the cheese actually moves with the pizza as you're moving it away from the rest of the pizza. That person is mercilessly beaten to the ground (laughs) by Topekans (laughs) who are going to have their Domino's pizza if it's the last thing they do. I just, I couldn't find, I could barely find people with, frankly, a personality that was interesting enough to want to spend time with. It was just- it was just a brutal, brutal beatdown of the human
1: soul. Maybe what? So Sufjan Stevens, the the musician, had it. One, I think he's abandoned this, but at one point he was going to try and write to make an album for every state in the union. So he had like uh, Mississippi, he had Illinois. He was going to do one for every. Maybe I should just do one for every city or state and go to Kansas and plunge into this sort of beige nightmare you're describing of uh, tepid pizza and tepid personalities and, and write write something. Uh, Is a sequel to it. Then we'd kind of balance out. I have to be careful when I'm in uh, Kansas because so my my family's from Oklahoma, but we've got a little spillover in Kansas and there's this notorious, probably dead rodeo clown named Buddy Heaton, who I am distantly related to. And we, growing up, we called him Uncle Buddy, although I only ever met him once. And the amount of just criminal carnage that man did over the course of his life in Kansas. Like if if we were in Kansas, particularly at anything surrounding a rodeo or anything adjacent to a rodeo, and my surname was uttered, someone would stop and look at me very, very clearly and say, are you kin to Buddy Heaton? And I'd go, no, 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 that's a, no, no, we're not even... We made up this name. We were, we were you know, Heatonwitz, but then Ellis Island, we had to change it. He The, the <laughs> last time anybody saw that guy, he's from, uh, where is he from? I want to say like Hope, Kansas or something like that. I can't remember the, the name of the town he's from, but the last time anybody saw him, he pulled into town with a semi-truck full of bicycles and opened it and popped out of the truck and went, you know, Buddy Heaton, favorite son of this town. Come on, kids. And he starts passing out bicycles and he's like, tell them Buddy Heaton sent you and drove away and the next day the FBI came into town and confiscated all the bicycles because he just stolen a truck. He just stole a truck and then drove through his town and dropped off the bikes and then went over to whatever his next activity was. And so anyway, I have to be careful when
0: I'm in Kansas because of that. Okay, fair enough. And and I and I get that probably you and I just feel more at home in different sorts of places. I'm sure I have many decent people from Kansas or the Midwest who are very happy where they are and that's great. There's no problem, we can still be friends. I actually would, if I had thought of it, if I'd been creative and clever enough to thought of it, I would have written poems about Kansas. And it's too bad because <laughs> I don't like, I think some of the attacks that get thrown Kansas's way are cheap shots. Mm. You know about that they're all stupid and backward, and you know because they want to teach this or that to their kids i mean that that's a right. that's really, really unfair to the people of kansas so i I wouldn't want to be perceived as being part of that right, but yeah, yeah you you're not having the sort of coastal elitist vibe
1: uh, that I often get because when I lived in New York, that's one of the things I found troubling is like I'm from oklahoma i'm I'm back in the state, but I've been gone fifteen years. If it had not been for the pandemic, I probably would not have moved back. And I would talk to people in New York that would say things like, oh, you're from Oklahoma. Like, gosh, I'm so glad you were able to get out of there. Like, you know, how was that? And I'm like, it was great. Everybody's really nice. It's really, it's a a very pleasant place to grow up. I just, you know, didn't have really any career opportunity for my line of work, but I always felt very defensive about it because I was like, there's a lot of really good stuff there and a lot of really good
0: people. Yeah, true. Right, right, right. And I've lived in a bunch of places around the country and yeah, some more popular than others. and." With Kansas, if anybody was, they they generally didn't look down on me like uh, that must've been a terrible place to live. They're just curiosity, like, oh my gosh, I've never heard of anyone who lives in Kansas before. <laughs> I only know about Kansas because of the Wizard of Oz. I mean, I assumed right. there had to be somebody there. I've never met such a person. Anyway, I don't know where this conversation is. I don't know. This has got totally off the rails, but you did ask me. And yeah, I just because of the years I had there. And then, oh, how about this? Moving into my house in 2010, I had, we eventually moved into a different house in Topeka, but the first house we moved into, uh, it was great. It was a great house. We had some land. We had a lot of room in the house. And then it's time to get the internet going because, you know, my livelihood kind of relies on it. And, oh, by the way, uh, none of the companies will provide you service. Uh, Wait, what? Why? Well, because you're too remote. Too uh, remo- I'm, I'm, I'm 15 minutes from downtown. How is that too remote? But of course, <laughs> Kansas is Kansas, already yeah. too remote. Right. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> 15 minutes from downtown, I may as well be in the Arctic. So yeah. well, so I, I had to think, God, I found a small company that offered satellite internet, which is not the best thing, but thank God I found it. Because yeah. what would I have done? I had already sunk all this money into this extremely illiquid asset. My livelihood depends on the internet and I couldn't get it at first. Oh,
1: yeah, that would be that would be initially terrifying. I'll say one one quick thing for the middle of the country. I don't know about Kansas, but I suspect it's this way. Like like in Oklahoma, the tourism's horrible because they, or I should say that the tourism pitch is horrible because usually when it's pitched, it's sort of like, hey, come to Oklahoma City. It's sort of like a kind of okay, tiny version of San Antonio maybe. It's always sort of pitched as this kind of Craigslist version of another city. And the trick to the middle of the country, if it seems boring, is to go into the sticks because that's where the really weird stuff's happening. You have to have a car. You have to know somebody, but like, in the last two weeks here in Oklahoma, I have climbed into a mobile fish tank, put my hand inside of an 80-pound catfish, and pulled it out by the lip as part of a noodling festival. And I've also thrown water balloons at adult tricyclists in a massive hay bale-lined maze that they shut down the, the highway with, where it's just like we all decided we were going to throw uh, water balloons at, at tricyclists. Now, granted, this isn't the august level of culture that you might encounter
0: at Drunk Shakespeare. But it is certainly colorful, and there's lots of stuff like that. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. What would you say would be if Los Angeles is hideous, what would you say? We've already mentioned your favorite city. Yeah. But I'm how right, about yeah. an American, how about an American city that really does delight you? You know, except except for the
1: firebombing and mob rule and riots, I really like Portland a lot. I had considered moving there instead of Los Angeles. So I would like my ideal would be living on the planet indoor. I love trees. I love massive trees. I'm not bothered by clouds because I used to live in Scotland. And and if it gets too cloudy for your taste, they make this stuff called whiskey, which can obviate some of the problems. So I thought Portland was really, really pretty. And I liked that it was um, quirky. And gorgeous. And then the other thing that I found interesting about Portland, at least when I was there, was I, I had gone in, I had gone in kind of worried, given that my political leanings would would be a red flag for people and that I would, you know, get beaten up and left in an alley or something. But Portland is on a scale of like the kind of thing you'll hear in Portland is like we all want an idealist like Marianne Williamson, but maybe we should go with a centrist and a pragmatist like Bernie Sanders. Like that's their their spectrum. Like this, like like Bernie Sanders is like considered centrist in Portland. So because of that, and it's so politically and ethically homogenous, if you rock up and you don't have on a MAGA hat and a pitchfork and a gun and overalls, they just assume you're one of them, whatever they are. And like and so, I I found it actually incredibly easy to navigate and like not get into unnecessary political arguments in a way that I do find happens when I'm in New York or Los Angeles, where someone will go off on a tangent and I'll just kind of be quiet. And then they'll, they'll zero in on me and be like, why aren't you bonding with us over hatred? And, I, you know, and I'm like, I don't, I don't tend to bond <laughs> over hatred with the exception of poetry. <laughs> All right. Well, how do people get the book? You can go to Amazon.com and look for Los Angeles is hideous. You can get an ebook, or you can get a coffee table book. I think you should get the coffee table book. I don't think it makes any financial difference to me, so uh, I, I'm just saying I think you will enjoy it more if you can leave it on your table for other people to check out. Or again, good gift for anybody. anybody I'm going to say anybody in particular who's leaving California, and I, and I went through this where I left. Last summer, I finally got out of my lease and bought a 13-foot fiberglass camper and just took off. And um, before I got the camper, I couldn't even get a U-Haul because so many people were, were leaving California. U-Haul should absolutely declare Gavin Newsom Employee of the Month or Employee of the Year. He, he has done wonders for U-Haul. I couldn't find a single U-Haul, right? So clearly, people are leaving Los Angeles and, uh, and, and I think the, the overall migration is slowing down of people moving into the city. For anybody like me that went out there and is just leaving while white-knuckled and muttering, great
0: book for them to confirm that it's a good call. Right, that was my thought as well, is that the exodus will find themselves in some way encouraged in their decision, let's say. Even though maybe the reasons you're giving aren't their initial reasons, they'll say, yeah, you know what? And that too, because uh-huh. there's another reason uh-huh. for me to... Say yeah, goodbye go go, on, uh, go go on Amazon. Los Angeles is hideous. I think you'll find it very funny. All right, now look, people, listen to me. If you think Los Angeles is great and beautiful, don't write to me, okay? <laughs> and, and you know what? Don't even write to Andrew Heaton. Leave poor Andrew Heaton alone. Just go to the show notes page, which is tomwoods.com 1936, which is where I also have the book linked, and put a comment there, okay? Fight it out there, okay? Leave us out of it. We've said what we want to say. Now you say what you want to say. On the show notes page. so I, I wonder, Tom, I've got, I've got a P.O. box. Maybe I should publicize
1: that for hate mail and be like, but be sure to send me a physical letter and then just heat my house by burning all the hate mail and <laughs> then see if I can't
0: get this on both ends. Yeah, I wonder, though, if um, it would actually be fan mail from a lot of people. Probably. I, I suspect, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, plus, too, even within California, people in, in San Francisco and in San Diego, they make like making fun of Los Angeles. And I think half the people in Los Angeles will agree with me. Yeah, just, I mean, it's just funny, for heaven's sake, right? Yeah. It's just funny. And I'm, again, I, I don't know what the point of all of it is, except I understand your situation and being stuck there and all these undesirable features. Mm-hmm. But instead of just cursing the darkness... You lit a candle by writing <laughs> Los Angeles' is Hideous Poems About an Ugly City, linked at tomwoods.com 1936. Well, best of luck with your Los Angeles promo tour of this book, which is probably not happening, <laughs> and I hope we'll talk, talk soon. Thanks so much, Tom. Always a pleasure. I really appreciate it. All right, folks, let me remind you, a city that is not hideous is Orlando, and that's where I'm having the 2,000th episode event for the Tom Woods Show, October 16th of this year, 2021. I hope you'll be there. Michael Malice, Angela McArdle, Eric July, Bob Murphy, longtime guests of the Tom Woods Show, Michael Bolden of the 10th Amendment Center, hosted by Jeff Dice of the Mises Institute, and several surprise guests to be announced that night. Remember, none of this costs you a thing. You just go, you enjoy yourself, and that's it. No dough is to be paid. This is my gift to you. And if you are a member of the Supporting Listeners program, there's a special reception for you as well. And that's just included as an unannounced benefit of the Supporting Listeners program. So the Supporting Listeners program is supportinglisteners.com. But to register to attend this free event, which is going to be a night full of entertainment and hilarity, go to tomwoods2000.com. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you
0: next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at Podsworth.com.